Greetings, ladies and gents, and welcome to this daily science fiction extravaganza, commonly known as Tales, Tales from Outer from space. Out, space. space. Taken from the subreddit HFY, all the relevant links will be down below. And, as always, I hope that you enjoy. And if you do, please consider supporting the channel. On to the science fiction. Story number one. The House in the Tree, written by Hexchem. They're not like the Varad, you know. The Varad will surrender when presented with an imminent death. They're, um, more civilized in that way. The Varad will lay down their arms and die peaceably. Or perhaps will allow themselves a glimmer of hope that they'll be spared and allowed to live. Goral chewed on the end of his straw, a habit that he had picked up during his time with the humans. A good storytelling would often chew on the end of their straw, punctuating each brief moment with the silence as though they were recording details carefully. And Goral wished to be a good storyteller this evening. I've heard there are all savage beasts, said one of the creatures seated next to him. I heard that they eat enemy flesh. Goral surveyed the room. His entrance not that long ago had caused a bit of a distraction amongst the usual patrons at the bar. He was one of the few Aratai who had been in the last battle of Earth, when the humans had made their final glorious stand against the swarm of Jurek's blood warriors. He fixed his eyes on the small creature that had spoken, a glepalabra, when pulled a straw out from his mouth. You hear only the diluted and twisted and diffused stories that travel from star to star. A single human bites the carapace of a Derek's the drone, and the next thing you know, the whole galaxy thinks they're monsters. Allow me to set the record straight for you. He took a deep swig of his drink, noting that some pleasure that his time amongst the humans had given him a bit of resistance to the ethanol-based beverages. They are absolute monsters, without question. Humans are the most terrifying beings in the galaxy. But hear me out. I'll tell you on my time on Earth. Pads of every table lit up as the patrons ordered drinks to settle down for the story. Stories were always great entertainment between the systems at waypoints like this. But ones about humans were a rare treat. I was just supposed to be learning about the humans, and they only recently had been invited into the Galactic Federation, and they had welcomed delegations from every race. When I arrived, I met with a human named Jeff. Jeff shook my manipulator in his hand by the way of standard human greeting, and then he had me to the ground with a vehicle they called a Chevy, which I learned later was an abbreviation for a formal name of a corporate entity that specialized in the manufacture of ground cars. We departed the spaceport after the necessary checks of paperwork, and he began to driving us towards his home, which was set in some of the largest trees that you can imagine. He pointed out perhaps a dozen different species of tree that we passed by them, and I could barely keep up with my notes. He must have noticed me attempting to record the information that he was giving me, because he offered to provide me with all the full text of the different plants and animals on the planet. After a short time, we arrived at his own. His mate and his offspring were waiting outside the domicile for our arrival. His mate, a female called Terry, possibly a reference to the world's common word for terror, exposed her mandibles in greeting. 
It was a wholly unnerving sight, but fortunately I had read the latest intelligence in human body language. This was a smile, and it was intended to be an indication of happiness or amusement. A voice from the back of the bar grunted, We know what a smile is, Arati. Get on with it. A few other patrons looked around for the source of the voice. It appeared to be a human figure hidden in the shadows near the exit. Goral grunted and continued, Anyways, I spent the better part of a standard internal there and Jeff and Terry and their offspring, Maisie and Jack. Jack was barely a local cycle old when I arrived, but he grew quickly. Maisie was a few cycles already and was highly inquisitive, even for a human child. Each day we met with new questions about other worlds, other races, and if I thought of my own offspring would be her friends. Jeff and Terry were always welcoming and seemed to enjoy being able to explain the intricacies of human life and society to me during the daily nutritional supplements. I was quiet in my content for my position there on Earth. My periodic reports were well received by my superiors, but my hosts were always pleasant to me. It was because of this that I just stand when I received orders from my immediates to return to Atarax by any means necessary. I sent a quick communication to some of my fellow researchers on the planet to determine if they had received similar orders. All 218 of my fellow emissaries had received the same command. Most were already on their way to the nearest departure points. It was the Dirix. Our sensors had picked up as signatures, and if it was clear that they were coming to Earth. A few hush whispers rippled through the bar, punctuated by once by a loud splattering of sound near the exit. The hooded figure had expelled something to the ground. I mentioned this to Jeff and Terry, who nodded their heads sadly. They knew the Jurex were coming, but there was simply weren't enough ships to evacuate the humans from the planet. Remember, they had only just entered the Galactic Federation, so Jeff and Terry and Maisie and Jack were all condemned to die in the onslaught of the Jurex. They insisted that I had to leave, but I couldn't. I had, at this point, spent a large portion of my life with these humans. I had observed as Jack obtained self-mobility and developed communication skills. I was there when they both began attending their educational facilities on a regular basis, carried to and from via the large yellow vehicle, and I was there when the neighbor's family's offspring invited Maisie to the social ritual called a prom. I was there when Jack informed his parents that he was joining the military because everyone might not be as nice as Goril. I was there when a man in green brought the folded piece of cloth to Jeff and Terry and told them that Jack would not be returning home. I was there for the tiny, short lifetime, and I could not bring myself to abandon them now. Perhaps their human stubbornness had rubbed off on me to use the words. So we waited in the house, in the trees, and the jurks came. They washed over the face of the earth, getting billions upon billions of humans. They were terrifying to the humans, a swarm of darkness that consumed everything in their path. Then, those days after the landing, some of the drones found their way into the house in the trees. They broke down the door and opened fire on the disruptors, hitting Terry and Maisie. They were standing beside me, and I remember feeling a real fear for the first time when they fell. They seemed too small and fragile in that moment, and I felt my insides twisting in pain at the sight. 
Jeff saw two, saw them fall, and I know it broke him. He grabbed a lamp off the table and swung it to the closest drone. I always believed the Jurek's drone exoskeleton had nearly indestructible. Turns out you just need a human with nothing left but hate. The drone's head exploded, splattering its ichor across the walls. The drones were shocked in the violence of it, and they couldn't react fast enough. Jeff grabbed the alien drone's disruptor and fired it at the others. When the energy cell was drained, he had one drone left. It tried to crawl away, and Jeff was just standing there. I thought perhaps the adrenaline I heard so much about when finally managed to kill Jeff. I had to do something. I picked up an axe from beside the door. Jeff had been chopping wood earlier that day. I lifted it high as I could and it was incredibly heavy, but I managed to woo well enough. Earth's galaxy is considerably greater than most of our planets, but I'd spent enough time there to know that I was able to resist the effects for nearly a full cycle before I needed to rest. I held the axe up over the drone's head and released it, the sharpening inch punching right through the filthy creature and it screeched as it died. Didn't feel like enough, though. I pulled the axe out on the ground and lifted it again and dropped it again. I must have done it a dozen times before I felt Jeff's hand on my back. He didn't smile. He didn't frown. He didn't really have any sort of expression that I'd grown used to seeing. He just said, save it for the rest of them, and picked up every disruptor that he could find. He handed me one, plus a few extra battery cells, and started walking back the way the drones had come. I looked back at Maisie and Terry and felt such a terrible sadness in me. I had no other choice now but to follow Jeff on wherever he was going. Goral drained the last drops of his drink and found that yet another had been placed before him while he spoke. He transferred his straw from the empty glass to a full one and continued... Jeff and I walked through those trees for several hours before we met up with a cluster of humans. When they saw Jeff, they raised the disruptors from their own greeting. A few looked at me with hostility until Jeff told them the simple that I was with him. They nodded and made a space for me around their fire. Jeff didn't sit. He asked which way was the nearest drone dropship was. They pointed in the direction that we'd been traveling. Jeff kept walking and I scrambled to keep up with him. I realized what he intended to do, and I spent much as energy as I could spare trying to convince him that a suicide was not the solution. After several hours of my attempts to stop him, he finally spoke. Not suicide, Garel. I'm ready dead. My family is all dead, and I have nothing left to lose. So, I'm going to take as many of these with me as I can. Those were the last words that Jeff said to me. Goral stared out in the table in silence. None of the patrons made a sound save for the sipping of their own drinks. We got to where one of the dropships were, and he saw the swarms massed outside, preparing for a final scouring of our planet. Jeff started firing his disruptor at them, and I followed his need. They started surrounding us, and Jeff pressed his back to mine, tossing me in second disruptor, and we were both firing in every direction. The Jurics were falling like raindrops. There were so many of them. Too many, in fact. Jeff shouted at me, asking if I wore my personal shielding device that was a standard issue for all non-human visitors to Earth. I had to think about it for a moment. I'd put it on promptly and forgotten about it many cycles ago. But I still had it. When I give the signal, you have to activate it. He said to me, the Jurex was swarming us and we were pushing harder and faster. The disruptors could barely keep up with it. 
With the shield up, I can't fire, I shouted back. The jurics were so close that I could smell the stale breath in the air. Trust me, Jeff shouted. Do it now. I pressed the button, and I felt the shield go up around me. I could do nothing but stare out as the jurics swarmed over us both. They couldn't penetrate the energy shield around me, but I could still see and hear everything. Jeff smiled at me as dozens of jurics scrolled over him, biting and scratching at him trying to bring him down. I lost sight of him. The last I saw of him was the barrel of the disruptor pressed against the extra battery packs that he'd strapped to his chest. Several of the patrons gasped as they otherwise expressed shock and amazement. I regained consciousness later. I don't know how long after, the same humans that we had encountered earlier had found me, unconscious with a burned-out shield generator, laying beside Jeff and surrounded by thousands of dead Jurich drones. Jeff's last act had been to slaughter as many Jurex as he could, and the blast was big enough to hit the queen of the dropship just as she had begun to command her drones to move out. It was enough to break their lines, and the word spread quickly to the humans and remained. Suicidal runs have been made at every single dropship in the world. Airplanes, with all shapes and sizes, had been intentionally flown into the ships, breaking them open. Crazed humans from every part of the planet had taken anything that they could find to attack with the dropships and go for the queens inside. You see, the humans as a whole believed that they were doomed. I have learned this by my time since then. When humans feel that there is no option left but death, they join death's team and bring as many along for the trip as they can. Before the Jurics arrived, Earth had a population of over 12 billion humans. Current estimates put them around 200 million remaining. The humans felt that they had nothing left to lose, just as my friend Jeff did. Believe me when I tell you that a human with nothing to lose is the most dangerous thing in the galaxy, and the human race has nothing to lose. Well, if it doesn't scare you, you haven't been paying attention. What about Terry and Maisie? By the time I got back to the house to perform the human burial rites, the bodies were already gone. I found a mound of freshly turned dirt not far away, so I assumed that one of the other humans had already done it. Thanks for the drinks. Goral stood up under the table, and the other patrons respectfully moved aside to leave him leave, quickly whispering amongst themselves about the story that he just heard. Goral moved towards the exit. What is a fine story, Arati, but I'd like to see some proof. Got you the mark, the hooded figure still withered in shadow, but the voice was clear and steady. Garal stopped and turned to the face of the figure. I don't think I know you, stranger. Who are you? You find that out when I see the mark, Goral felt his insides twisting again. He had been tattooed by the humans that found him on the field. They all wore the same tattoo on their right arms, and they had insisted that this part of fighting had earned him his mark. Gorel pulled down a piece of fabric, revealing a pair of white wings as a pair of crossed green reapers. Over them, the words, The damned stand ready, was written beneath the image. The hooded figure leaned in close to inspect it, and from within the folds of the cloth, a thin one hand emerged and gently touched the tattoo. Goral stepped back in surprise. Do you think your offspring will be my friend, Goral? The white hand pulled back from the hood and the lowered in the cloth from the face, revealing a very old female human with their white hair. Goral could only stare. I didn't die in the house that day, Goral. Mama pushed me down and took both shots. 
I was just knocked out. When I came to, you and Daddy were gone, Mama was dead, and there was a whole bunch of dead drones. I've been looking for you ever since. I thought maybe you died on that field, but then I heard of an Arati with a tattoo who claimed to have been to Earth, and I had to find you. Maisie! Goral managed to splatter. He extended his manipulators in the customary greeting of the humans, but she pushed it away and hugged him. How did you get all the way out to this part of the galaxy? Colony ship. My children and grandchildren and their families are all on the station for a next few days, and then we'll finish the trip to Pythos too and settle. I'm just along for the ride. You have offspring, Goral exclaimed. You are alive and you have offspring of your own. You humans truly are unstoppable. Maisie laughed and stood up slowly, bracing herself on a cane leaning against the wall. There we are. There we are. Well, you'd best come along to meet them, Goral. I got me a grandson named after you, and he is all excited to meet you. Together, they made their way down the corridor to the way station. Goral was still amazed that one of his humans was still alive after all that had happened. End of story. And that, my friends, concludes this dose of science fiction fun. I hope that you enjoyed. And if you did, please don't forget to support the author from the link down below. But if you want to support this channel, there are links as well down below for you to help with. But the easiest way would be to share this video. And if you are so inclined, subscribe as well. I will see you all in the next episode, and I hope that you all have a fantastic time until then. Cheers.